Uh, but guys, I want you to turn to Ephesians 1. I've been pretty pumped about this because tonight, today, we're going to get to see the blessings of the Son. Blessings of the Son. Last uh, Sunday night, we saw the blessings of the Father. Before the foundation of the world, God had a redemption plan. Uh, guys, that redemption plan included you, amen? That redemption plan was for the whosoever, and from the very beginning of time, I can't wrap my mind around it that God already had a plan going into future, all the way to where we are today that God died for anybody that would come to Him. And those who come to Him by Christ by faith, one day He will let them be like Him. I'm happy today that I'm not always going to be in this defeated old body, aren't you? There's going to be a day where I'm in heaven and I'm going to get my glorified body and sin ain't going to bother me no more. Stress ain't going to bother me no more. I'm going to tell you I'm excited that sickness ain't going to bother me no more. And I'm excited that I have the promises of God that one of these days I'm going to get to be with Him. And then also that we will, will be adopted as children. I can't wrap my mind around that, but God has adopted me and He's adopted you if you're born again this morning as a son or daughter with Him. Amen. But today we're looking at the blessings of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get to the Holy Spirit, but we're going to get to the Son. Amen. Read uh, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 7. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 7. And it says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I can't get my mind wrapped around that. Wherein He hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Don't you like that word promise? That's what everything's based on, amen, is the promise of God, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank You for Your blessings that You give us. Thank You for this time of worship uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that You do shake this house. I, I can't shake it. There ain't nobody in here can shake it, but You can shake it. And Lord, I pray, God, that Your Holy Spirit uh, is felt this morning. I pray, God, that You help us to get out of the way. And Lord, that You do something only You can do. And Lord, and I believe in a crowd this big, I know we've heard your gospel a million times, but I pray that it never grows old because it grows sweeter to me every day. And Lord, I pray, God, that today if there's somebody in this place that don't know you, that their heart is opened to receive you as Savior for the first time. And Lord, I pray, God, if there is a wayward son here today, that they remember the cross once again, that, Lord, you died for us, you redeemed us, and you forgive us. And, Lord, there's always a place to come to at the foot of the cross. Lord, lead us and guide us and forgive us we fail you. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, guys, I want us to look this morning at the blessings of the Son. It says, through His blood, in verse 7, it says, in whom we have redemption through His blood. 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Guys, I want us to understand that His blood, through His blood, we have redemption. I know we say we've heard that a million times, but guys, there is nothing more sweet than the saving blood of Jesus Christ. I know we live in a time where nobody wants to talk about the blood. We want to talk about everything that God can do for you. I don't care if He does anything for you the rest of your life. He died for you, and that's all that we... We, we ain't even worth that, amen? But I tell you that God's blood is redeeming. It, the deliverance and redemption means deliverance or a setting a man free by paying a ransom. 2,000 years ago on a wooden cross, my sins were covered by the blood. I can't understand it, but I know that they were, amen? And it doesn't matter what happens to me in my life. There is a promise that has been made to me from God in His Word that He has redeemed me, that He has saved me, and that it has nothing to do with me, and it has all to do with Him. Amen? And I know so many times we think it has to do with us, and Lord, i got to keep working, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. It's already been paid for. And so many times we never rest in our salvation because we put it on us. My friend, I'm taking it off of me, and I've put it all on Christ, and I believe that there is freedom in that. Amen? And I'm tired of people being so bogged down. There is a time, and we must understand that, my friend, if you have came by the way of the cross, you are saved. Live in it. Live in that promise of the Lord. Now, my friend, if you're somebody here today and you've never came by the way of the cross and you've tried to go any which way underneath, over, beside, whatever it is, if you've tried to get over it any which way you tried, my friend, you are not saved because there's only one way, and that is by the way of the cross and Jesus' redeeming blood that he shed for each and every single one of us. But 2,000 years ago on a wooden cross, my sins were covered by the blood, and I hope and pray so were yours. We see a story in the Bible that I was reminded of in that of Barabbas. He was a murderer and he was a thief. Everybody knows his story, but there is nothing in Scripture that is there by accident. You know it? Sometimes we can look over old Barabbas and we think that he was just an old murderer and he was just, man, he took the place of Jesus uh, on the cross, uh, that, that he should have been dying where Jesus did, but Jesus took his place. There is no sweeter story in all the world that Barabbas got to go free. And it wasn't fair. He deserved to die. But I'm thankful today that Jesus took his place. Amen? Because Barabbas represents me. And Barabbas represents you. And we see that old story. We see a man in Barabbas who was a murderer and he was a thief. He was a man that was sold under sin. He was a man that sin had captivated him. He was a man who was convicted. He was a man who was condemned. He was a man who was powerless to free himself. And he was a man with no hope. And guys, I want us to understand that Barabbas, again, is a picture of you. And you say, Brandon, I'm not a picture of Barabbas. Then let's see. The Bible says that, and you just come along and you just hang on and you just listen. He said, the Bible says that he had come short and that he was a sinner. Well, who else in this room has came short and that is a sinner? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means all, and that's all it means. Amen. He was captivated and sold under sin. Sin had absolutely locked him up, destroyed him, and put him in chains. Who else in here tonight can understand that? I remember the day that I was captivated and sold under sin. Do you? The Bible says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, Romans 7, 14 says. He was also corrupted. So are you. 
I remember the day that I was corrupted. But the Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. We were corrupt. And I want you to understand, for he was blinded to Satan's schemes. I believe today that there's more people blinded by Satan's schemes than any time before. Satan is absolutely running wild, telling our world in what we should believe. And there is a lot of people believing it. There's a lot of people beyond, I can't even get my mind wrapped around it, how many people believe the schemes of Satan. Well, I remember a time that even old Satan had me tried to be, had me blinded, blinded, and he had me binded. He was blinded to Satan's schemes. We are too before we knew Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 2, it says, We're in times past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Guys, I want us to understand that is us before we knew Jesus. You say, well, Brandon, why in the world do you preach this so much? Why do you, want, you, why do you preach the blood? Why do you do all this? What's your benefit? Let me tell you a secret, by the way. If you come to know Jesus, I get no benefit from it. Now, it's a joy to me. But just because you come to Jesus, I think some people got it in their head. If I come, that old preacher, he wants me to be saved because he wants my money. I don't need your money and neither does church need your money. I think sometimes people say, well, I'm not going to get saved because they're trying to control my life. My friend, I can't control your life and I don't want to. I think so many times we let Satan absolutely run wild in our minds. And pride starts to soil up. And the world lies start to infiltrate us. And before you know it, God's Word, that is the most beautiful Word and the most beautiful news that you're ever going to see, takes a back seat. Guys, let me tell you something. You know why I'm standing up here today? Do you know why Brother David stands up here and Brother Travis and Brother Travis and any other man that is a pastor? Do you know why Brother Terry's preached for like 50 years, amen, brother, and he's just keep on a going? You know why? Because they have been saved by the blood and they want to let you know that you can be saved too, amen? That's the only benefit that I get. I don't care anything from you. I just want you to be in heaven. That's why God called me. And I think so many times the church gets a bad rep because the church, everybody's like, oh, look how bad the church is. I get it. We're all sinners. We all mess up. And sometimes I'm not the best representation in either of you. But that's not why I'm here. I am here to let you know that there is a God who has taken your place 2,000 years ago and that his blood was shed for you and for me. And that should never, ever get old. And if you are tired of that old story, my friend, I believe you need to understand the story and you need to understand Jesus for the first time. Because when you know Jesus, whoo, he changes your life. Amen. But that man in Barabbas who was hopeless, he was hell bound. And I'm telling you, we, and I don't know if Barabbas ever got saved. I hope that he did. We don't know his story. I pretend to believe that he went on without ever even thanking Jesus, but I'm going to tell you, he could have. He could have been right there at the cross seeing Jesus and what he'd done for him, and I believe Barabbas could have been in heaven today, and I hope that he is. We don't know, but I want you to understand today that we are without Christ. We are hopeless. We are hell-bound. We are in a place where Barabbas was with no one to help. And guys, it gets me all worked up trying to think of Barabbas in that jail. Barabbas is sitting there where he deserves. He deserves to die. He's locked up. His last week is coming. 
I believe that he's already seen the crosses being put down. I believe that he's already heard the stir of the crowd. I believe there's people already come by his window saying, Barabbas, you're thief and you're murderer. I can't wait for you to die. You're going to get what you deserve this week. I'm going to tell you what you've done to my family, and I cannot wait to see you die on that cross, Barabbas. And I believe old Barabbas, even in his anger and his meaning, I can't believe this is going to happen to me this week. This is the way my life ended. But guys, I want you to understand there must have been no sweeter sound when he started to hear the steps coming his way. He started to hear the knock on his door. And I believe, and I remember Brother Terry uh, preaching on this, whenever that guard beat on the door, he must have thought that this is it. It is my time to die. And that guard gave him the absolute opposite news. He said, Barabbas, your time don't look like it might not be coming yet because there is a man that is, looks like he's going to be taking your place. A man gave good news to this burden. I think it's amazing that God uses men to give the good news. I think it is amazing to me that God uses people like us to give the good news. And Barabbas didn't even understand that good news. That guard didn't even understand the news that he was given. But it was great news. He opened up that door and he said, that guard yelled through the door, someone else's blood is taking your place today, Barabbas. Someone is dying on the third cross, but it looks like it ain't going to be you. Guys, what an amazing thing that that must have been. But even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many in Matthew 20, 28. When Jesus redeemed you guys, I want you to understand that he bought you. We're going to get to this a little bit, but I think Christians have forgot that they have been bought with a price. There's a lot of Christians today that don't have a lot of joy. There's a lot of Christians today that are trying to live in a world that they don't belong and I believe there's a lot of Christians that can't find the peace and joy in their life because they're trying to live in a place that isn't for them. A Christian is never going to be happy living apart from God. And I think too many Christians today are living apart from God. And maybe you today are living in a place apart from God. You say, well, Brandon, I know God saved me. Well, my friend, where are you? He's still with you. Where have you went? Because when God makes an oath, he makes an oath. And I'm thankful today that God kept his promises even though we don't. But when Jesus redeemed you, he bought you. The Bible says, for you are bought, redeemed with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. What does it say? Which are God's. Redemption. The Bible says that word means apolytrosis. It means to buy at a marketplace. Guys, can you get your mind wrapped around that you were bought with a price? This word means that you can imagine a lady or a man walking through a marketplace in Bible days. You see the fruit there and you see the items there and they're strolling through and they're looking and they're, they're seeing what is best. And I don't know about you, but when I go to the market, it, when I do, I don't go very much, but Gina goes. But I remember the times that she does go and I'm with her. She's looking at the fruit and she starts to inspect the fruit. She opens it up and she turns it around. She looks at it. She makes sure that it's the best possible that before she buys it. Aren't you thankful that God didn't do that for us? Because I believe that God was walking through that marketplace. He's seeing all the people looking around. He's looking at you here today. Imagine Jesus is walking through here. 
And I'm thankful that he's not like the world because the world would have said, I'm going to get the best. I'm going to take the smartest. I'm going to take the people that I believe look the best and act the best and all that stuff. And I'm thankful today that Jesus walks through and he sees the broken he sees, man, ain't nobody wants this one right here. There's a fruit right here, man. Because I don't know about you, but I had a lot of rotten all over me. I don't know about you, but he could have passed me. But I remember their day, man, Lord, you don't, I don't deserve you. I have rotten all over me. I have, uh, I've messed up. I don't deserve you. But God's walking through the marketplace. And he sees that fruit that, man, it's going to get tossed. It's going to get thrown away. It's not going to be worth nothing. In fact, it was made just to go to hell, I guess. But I'm thankful today that God, that is not his plan, and that God sees that old nasty fruit, and he grabs it, and he says, you know what? This is the one I came for. This is the one I died for. This is the one that I went to the cross for. And I believe that old rotten fruit, if it could talk today, it would say, you know what? I was rotten, but Jesus saved me anyway. Amen? Amen. That should get us excited, y'all. That should get us fired up, y'all, that we were a rotten, low-down sinner destined to be in hell. But yet God came your way, called you by name, and said, you belong to me. And I'm thankful today that that word, what it means. He could have done anything with that fruit. It was his. Guys, it, 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 it's the word that he takes the money out of his pocket. There's my wallet. It ain't got nothing in it. Every time I'm like, it's gone. Another moth comes out of this thing. But it's like Jesus is coming through the market, and he says, I want that rotten fruit, and I'm putting my money down. I bought it. And you know what I'm excited about is when he bought it, he could have done anything with it. He could have bought it and done absolutely anything with us. He could have bought you and then sold you. He could have said, I want a profit. I know there's some of you here in the church, man. I know Chris, he's always looking for the next deal, amen? I'm thankful today that God is not Chris, amen? Because when Chris gets a deal, he goes and sells it for an upper price, amen? And God could have done that to us. He could have sold you to back to Satan, he said he could have, every time Satan comes walking by, God could have said, you know what? I bought him. He's mine, but I'm going to sell him back to you. He ain't worth nothing anyway. But the word says that God bought us. He put us in his pocket. And it doesn't matter how much Satan tries to grab again. He says, they belong to me. And there ain't nothing that you can do to get them out of my hands. And I believe Satan in that moment starts to poke. And I, he starts to prod. And he starts to say, God, what do you mean you're not going to sell them? They ain't worth nothing. Don't you know who they are? Don't you know who they are behind the scenes? Don't you know when they fall? Don't you know when they mess up? Don't you know? I believe that they're worthless. I'll give more for them. And Satan don't want a lot, but he wants your soul. He don't care about your happiness. He don't care about your joy. He don't care about your family. He don't care about anything, but he sure wants your soul and he'll take it. Amen. And in that moment, I believe that God can look right at Satan and say, you know what? You're right, Satan. They ain't worth a lot. They're broken. They're leaking all over. Every time I tell them to do something, they don't do it. 
Every time I tell them to obey me, they're off running in the weeds again. I'm going to tell you sometimes, man, they even frustrate me. But let me tell you something, Satan. I bought them. And they're covered in something that you can't pay for, that you just don't understand. They're covered in my blood. They're covered in the son of Jesus. And that makes them absolutely priceless. That means that they are so valuable that there ain't no dollar sign that can put any kind of number on it. Amen. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. And every time that Satan tries to remind you, I believe Christians need to be reminding him again. Every time Satan tries to get you between the eyes and that's where he gets us. He comes all the time poking and prodding. Do you know Jesus? I don't think you know him. Look at you. Look how sorry you are. I don't believe that you need to be witnessing because look how you've been living. I believe that you just need to sit there in silence and defeat. And I think in that moment, we need to remind old Satan, I am priceless before an all-knowing, all-loving God who gave his life a ransom for me. That'll change your life. That'll change the way that you walk. I'm not saying be all braggy and all arrogant, but I do believe we need to lift our head up because we're a child of the King. And I'm excited today that God saved me. But when Jesus redeemed you, he bought you. That redemption means to buy the marketplace. His cash has been put down. It is for his own use. He is not to sell us. We belong to the owner. And he liberates us by paying of a ransom. And when Satan comes and he tempts and he accuses and he lies, remind him that we might not be worth much, but I'm covered by the priceless blood. Amen. That you were bought with a price. If you have been saved, you cannot be happy living in the world. And so many times we don't remember this, but God doesn't go back on his word. Amen. If I could have lost my salvation, I would have lost it a long time ago. In fact, if I could lose my salvation, I'd lose it this week because I cannot live those commandments out. God is so holy and he is so righteous. Anytime, the, and I'm going to be honest with you, the closer you grow to him, the more that's revealed to you. I don't feel better and better. I feel worse and worse because the closer I grow to Jesus, the more his light shines into my life. And the more I realize I need him more today than I did yesterday. When I was 25 years old and I was a Christian, but I was just kind of a church sitter, I sat on a pew, I didn't understand how much God loved me. But until I started working for Jesus, I started living for Jesus, I started getting into his word, I started teaching, he started working me all over, and every single day I'd go home amazed of what God has done, where before I didn't even understand it. And I said, Gina, I said, the closer I grow to the Lord, the more I feel like an old rotten sinner. And I think so many times we think we're all right. My friend, it's because you hadn't really met Jesus who shines a light into our world. He'll make a humble man out of you. Amen. Then we see his redemption plan. And now we see his forgiveness. It says in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness means to send off, to send away, to release. But we must repent, turn from our life of sin, and place our faith in Jesus. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to come to Christ forsaking your sin and saying, God, I'm going to follow you, fully relying on him, God says, I'll forgive you sins 
And not only will I forgive your sins, I'll take you to heaven one day. Amen. And when he throws the sins away, the Bible says he sends them off. Forgiveness of what? Sin. Where we have missed the mark. Never a time where people are told that they are fine more to today. Everywhere you go, every time you cut the TV on, every time that you're out in the world, the whole world is telling people that they're fine. You live as you want to live. You do as you want to do. You be what you want to be. God didn't make you, so therefore you can be your own God and you do whatever makes you happy. If you want to be gay, be gay. If you want to lust, lust. If you want to have an affair, have one. It don't matter. If there's no God, there is no standard. And that is the biggest lie that has been told. There is no standard without God. But I'm thankful today that there is a God and that there is a standard. We come to God only by the way that he's told us to come to him. And that is by the way of the cross and his son Jesus who died for us. And God cares more about your life than you do. So many times we want to say, God, I have a plan for my life. You don't even know the plan of your life. If I went my way, I told you a million times I wouldn't have been a preacher. I would have went every which way that I could have. But I'm thankful that God said, Brandon, I got a plan for you, and I decided that I'm going his way. Now, how about you? Are you going God's way? Are you going your way? My friend, I believe today that there's a place that you can come in repentance and you can kneel before an old-fashioned altar in humility and say, God, I'm going your way because my way is making a big old mess, amen? Because I believe you can still be in the church house on every Sunday and still be in an absolute mess spiritually, amen? And I believe that God is wanting to shake this house. Christ lived a life that you couldn't and he died a death you should have. You say, Brandon, I need forgiveness. Well, my friend, the good news is today that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a great promise. And we learned last week that you are whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friend, have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you said, oh, Brandon, I've I've done everything but call upon his name because when I call upon his name, I'm saying, God, I am yours. And that's the hard part, ain't it? It's hard to surrender all, but my friend, you surrender all, God will do the rest. And you won't ever miss the life in which you're giving up. He will give you so much more. By the way, don't you know where the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? But Christ lived a life that you couldn't and he died a death that you should have. Why? Because God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. God loved you and he chose you. And all you have to do is receive the free gift of salvation. It is there. All you have to do is take it. But in our pride, we would rather say, I don't want it. I'm scared and I'm afraid. My friend, you must fight through that and say, God, give me the strength. I don't care what this world says. I am going with you. And God makes you a promise. I'll save you. Verse 8. We see in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. What does that mean? When God saved me, he gave misunderstanding. 
insight into a broken world that lost people don't have. Guys, I'm thrilled today that this isn't just a history book. This isn't just a, um, a nice little... I know somebody compared this to mythology the other day. What a dangerous place that is. This ain't no mythology. This ain't no Hercules. This is the Word of God. Amen? And it bleeds every time that you open it up and it's the greatest love story to men from an all-loving God that you're ever going to see. And it is truth. A hundred percent truth. And I put my faith in it. Some of y'all need to put your faith in it. So many times we say, oh, I believe it. Then get your head and your arms and your legs moving, showing that you believe it. Because we can say we believe it all day long, but until our actions prove it, you don't believe a thing. Because it's when we put it to test and we put our true faith in it, that's when God does something only He can do. Amen? But this book is an absolute truthful book. But guys, we, through this word, have an insight into the world around us. I struggle with this because I worry and I stress. But God says he's given us wisdom and prudence in him. That means that every single one of us, when we start to get worried, we start to get stressed. See, we look at this book a whole different way than lost people do. Lost people will take this book and throw it out. But for me, when I'm struggling with heartache, there's a place I can go. When I'm struggling with the sickness that's in my family, there's a place I can go. When I'm struggling with my salvation, there's a place I can go. When I'm absolutely fit to be tied and I don't know where to turn, there is a place I can go. And I think so many times we go to the world for help. We need to go back to God's Word for help. And whatever it says, lean on it. It is God's promise. It is God's Word. And it is not going to lie to you. But when God saved us, He gave us understanding, insight into a broken world that lost people don't have. Prudence means seeing how to use and do the truth. We can understand world problems. We can understand tragedy. And I'm not saying we're not going to be hurt through those things, but we can understand them trusting that God is an all-knowing, all-loving God. Tragedy, heartache, and we must understand and trust that God has got it. God's got it. He's above and beyond what we are. And though we might not understand everything that happens to us, I can rest knowing of a good, loving God that died for me does. Verse 9 through 10, and it says, Having been made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. And you say, Brandon, what does that mean? Guys, I want you to understand that God, there's a mystery, but there's an answer. And this answer is, is that in the fullness of time, God is going to correct the wrongs of this world. Amen. Are you excited about that? Because I don't know about you, but I see that the world tries to get their hand in it and it absolutely messes up more and more and more. But we have a promise from God that one of these days He is going to make this world correct again. 
He's going to bring it back to what he wants it to be. God is going to correct the wrongs of this world. God is in control. It sometimes seems like the world has lost its mind, and it has. But it seems like God isn't looking. But my friend, he is. But I want you to be encouraged today because when the world gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and by the way, I have children a lot like y'all do. I want my girls to be married I want them to have children. I can't wait to be a granddaddy one day. I want the same things for my children as you do and your grandkids and your family and the people that you love. And I know so many times that we want this world to get better and better and better and better. But let me, let me tell you something, friend. The Bible says that it's going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse. And you say, well, Brandon, that's discouraging. No, it's not. Because where's the Bible leading us to? What's the world coming to? Adrian Rogers said it best, it's coming to Jesus. It's fulfilling absolutely everything from Scripture, from cover to cover. And the end is that we win. At the end, we are going to be victors. And I'm already a victor because of Jesus. Adrian Rogers said it best. What's the world coming to? It's coming to Jesus. Jesus owns this world. It was made by him. It was made for him. And the Bible says it's coming back to him. Amen. I'm excited today that this world is just a little bit closer to Jesus. Then when time ends and time is no more, I still have a hope that I'm going to be in heaven. And let me tell you something. We talk about that hope. Somebody asked me this week, when you say you hope, are you crossing your fingers? No, I say my hope is on a rock solid promise. It is on a promise. I'm not crossing my fingers. No, I know because of what the Bible says that I'm going to be with Jesus one of these days. Jesus will reconcile all things in himself. And I don't know about you, but I'm going with him. I want to share a little story with you before we close. And I'm not going to get to the Spirit. But by the way, let me tell you a little something about the Holy Spirit. It seals you. It is a seal on your salvation. That means when the Holy Spirit has indwelled you, He's all over you, you can know that you are with God because you are fulfilled with the Holy Spirit in your life. And it is a stamp of seal that cannot be broken. And I'm excited today that there ain't nothing that can break the seal that God has placed on my life. Amen. But I heard a story from a preacher. He said, I was a young preacher, and I believe this man actually came to our church one time and preached. He said, I was a young preacher, and I was in my 20s, and I just surrendered to the ministry. And he said, I was just full of all kinds of ideas. It kind of reminded me of me, to be honest with you. I'm like, I could end up doing something like this and making a big mess out of it. (laughs) But he said, I was preaching at a revival one night, and he said, the people, I was preaching on repentance. I was preaching on God coming back. I was telling everybody, the Lord is coming. By the way, the Lord's coming. I know we don't preach that very often either, but God is coming back. I believe it could be today. I hope and pray that it's today. But he said, I was preaching repentance. I was preaching the Lord returning back. And I got to a point where I said, you know what? I want something that's going to really make them understand And he was talking about the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And he said, I got a big idea. And I said, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm doing this, but I'm going to start preaching on the trumpet is going to sound. And he said, I had a buddy of mine that just happened to have a trumpet. And he said, I sent him to the back. 
And I said, buddy, whenever I talk about the trumpet blowing, I want you to blow that in this little country church as loud as you possibly can. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the trumpet blew. Uh-oh, trumpet might be blowing. <laughs> and the trumpet blew. And it scared everybody in that place. And his point was, you don't know the time. You better be ready. Because when the trumpet blows, you better be ready to go with Jesus. Amen? And in that moment, it scared everybody after death. Some loved it, some hated it. I can relate to that. But at the end of the service, an old lady came up to him. And she had a very not-so-good word of encouragement. But he said, I used it and God used it. This lady come up to him and she said, Preacher, you should have told me that that trump was going to blow because I wasn't ready to hear it. My friend, there's a lot of truth in that statement. And I believe that even here at Hillcrest Baptist Church on a regular Sunday, you say, well, Brandon, I wasn't expecting all this. My friend, if the trump blew and in a twinkling of an eye, half of us are out of here, would you be right where you are? Because I believe what God's Word says. And you say, well, Brandon, I don't know if the rapture's coming. It is coming. But I don't care if it comes right now in your lifetime or not. Are you ready to meet Jesus? You say, well, Brandon, I think I am. That ain't good enough. If you got into your car today and somebody was on the other side of the hill and they come into your lane and your life is over, when the trumpet sounds in your life, are you ready for Jesus? So many times we live our life thinking that that day's never going to come. My friend, it's coming. And you say, well, Brandon, I hope to pray that I live a good old life. Some of our seasoned, wise folks in here, would you witness today for me to say that life goes really fast? Who would say that in here that life goes really fast and witness to that? Look at the hands. Life goes fast. The Bible says that it is just a vapor in time. That is nothing to mess with. My friend, if the trumpet blows today, are you going to know Jesus? Are you going to be with Jesus? I want you to get rid of all the distractions in your life. And I want you to look down in your heart to say, God, have I trusted only you as my Savior? Am I going where you want me to go? Am I being what you want me to be? And am I saying what you want me to say? Am I yours? And my friend, I'm going to tell you what old Adrian Rogers said best. My friend, you don't got to live in fear. You don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live not knowing what tomorrow may hold. Come to Jesus. It's that simple. Come to Jesus. And I wholeheartedly believe and know that there's people in this room that don't know him. And my friend, don't be a person that went to Hillcrest Baptist Church and had all the things every week, every week, every week you hear the word and you leave not knowing him. What tragedy that is. 
And some of us have said no to him so many times that his voice is almost so faint because we were in a place at one time or another where God was calling us, but we said no, we said no, we said no, we said no, we said no. And his voice seemed so faint. But I want you to listen. I remember what Brother David said a few couple years, last year at the men's retreat, that still, small voice. Can you hear it? And my friend, if God's calling you by name, you come down to this altar, you grab one of us by the hand, and I want to introduce you to Jesus. Will you come? Will you come? Let's stand. We're going to go in a moment of invitation. You guys come.